0: Hello everyone, you are listening to Plastic Surgery Unplugged with Dr. Regu Autre. So um, after our first initial podcast, I guess it was a success and we've been asked to do multiple of these. So today I'm joined again on our podcast with Dr. William Silver, And we are linking between Houston and Atlanta, Georgia. And let's see, today we're gonna talk about chin augmentation. I think that's the primer that I had given you. And let me go ahead and share my screen. All right, so these are the pictures that I had sent you, which is a, she's a nice little young girl that had uh, come into my office with her mother um, she is a college student, um, about to enter into her freshman year. And she, her story is as such, she hates her nose. Um, so I always start off a consultation with, if you had a magic wand, what would you do? And so she says, I've changed my nose. I've been thinking about this for years. Um, ever since I was about 13 years old. Um, my nose kind of took on this shape and it's been a cause of, um, insecurity. She's been teased about it. And, uh, so mom finally acquiesced to bringing her into the office and, uh, said, you know, she's pretty quiet girl keeps to herself. Um, she's been bugging her mom about her nose and, um, that's the information we have so far, healthy, no prior surgeries, no drug allergies, no medications. When I ask her magic wand what she wants, she says, "I hate the bump." She says, "I want a smaller nose. My nose looks too big on my face." There we go.
1: Well, anyway, it's good to uh, talk with you again this morning, uh, Ragu. Same here. Uh, and uh, you know, I think you brought up the most important part. And that is when a patient comes into your office, the most important thing you want to do is to listen. Mm-hmm. And comes the question that as she described everything about what she wanted to see changed or, or done to make her feel better about herself, you listened and in your own mind, you do the analysis and you verify it with the patient. Right. Then comes the question Is we look at this particular picture, you notice that there is a little bit of loss of chin projection. Now the patient, according to what you've just told me, did not mention this. So it comes up the question is how do you as a facial plastic rhinoplastic surgeon address the issue if you feel that after you've performed this particular change on this young lady and her chin is still somewhat somewhat small or retracted, how do you bring that issue up to a patient without, uh, number one, offending the patient, or more importantly, to educate the patient as to how a, a change with her chin will accentuate, the uh, good changes to her nose and i say this in the sense that not every patient is going to accept what you say right off the bat so the object is to be able to share with them how the chin and the nose complement the the entire face and in this particular situation as i see it if the chin is actually brought forward it will decrease the uh, actual projection appearance of the nose. So it's up to the operating surgeon to be able to bring this forward in a manner that will educate the patient to have them understand what this possible additional procedure would do to help with their appearance, with their total appearance.
0: So what I like. So this is I'm going to tell you what I do and you can kind of throw in your two cents worth. So when I'm examining the patient, so I actually tell the patient what I'm examining. So I tell them that even though that they're here for a rhinoplasty, that's actually the last thing that I look at, because you can get so fixated into just looking at the nose that you miss the, the bigger the bigger picture. So I tell them the first thing I look at is what I call the general portion of the exam, male or female, ethnicity, or even apparent ethnicity, um, skin thickness, are they tall, are they short, general body habitus. So just kind of the overall, you know, what do they look like? The, I tell them if, if I was walking in a mall and I saw them at a distance of 10 feet, what's my first snap judgment impression? And then the second thing I say is then before I then before I jump to the nose, I start looking at the face and looking at craniofacial development. And so what I tell them is I look at this point right here, this point right here, and this point right here. And on profile, those points should make a plane, which is perpendicular to the floor. And in this girl, she has this kind of negative vector right here. Now, Some people will agree with me at this point, which is great. And some people are still looking at me like I'm from Mars. So once I've gotten past that in the nasal examination, I I find this is actually the best utilization of photographic imaging and our imaging software, because I'll show them what they look like with just a chin implant with nothing else. And automatically, it makes that nose look smaller, and then they go, "Okay, I see what you're saying." Your thoughts. Well,
1: you know, I think that you you do bring up um, an additional uh, factor here when the patient has not mentioned the chin. In other words, you may have another situation where the same patient would come in, and they themselves have addressed it. Right. So there's a different approach from one that has not mentioned it to one that has mentioned it in conjunction with the nose, either because they have seen their own uh, facial profile or others have talked to them about it, as opposed to one that now you're educating. And I agree, I think that the pictures, uh, particularly now that we have computer imaging is such a dramatic uh, expression or or tool to be able to share with the patient what they can look like. So the patient themselves have an opportunity to evaluate it. And very often, as you mentioned, they'll come in with someone else. And it's good to have this. And I use the computer not as a guarantee to the patient, this is what you're going to look like, but I use it strictly as a communication tool. And that is how you go about doing the evaluation initially. Now, in part of the education, I do have some drawings that I'll often show them that show how the effects of a chin uh, has, projection of the chin has on the total appearance of the nose. And I find that is a very helpful uh, tool to educate the patients uh, as to accepting that additional procedure
0: so in your practice are you using 2d imaging or 3d imaging i use
1: primarily two-dimensional imaging Uh, i I find that the when i try to use the 3d dimensional images and my this is just from my experience that it comes out somewhat stark as you rotate it around it's easier for me in the two in in the two-dimensional Imaging, it's easier for me to focus specifically on the areas that I, I want to focus on. Although you know I have access to the uh, computer to the 3D computer imaging, but in, in my experience, uh, I, I find that it's it's a little it's a little bit of, of, of overplay, uh, you know, from that from that point of view.
0: No, no worries. No, I I agree. I think that, you know, there's been a big push nowadays with this 3D imaging, a lot of software packages are coming out with 3D imaging. And one of the things that I've noticed is you lose a lot of detail. So the, for example, on this 2D picture, you can see the sharpness of where her chin is. And you really kind of lose some of those fine details on the uh, 3D imaging. Yes, I'm going to I'm going to close this window and I'm going to bring something else up in just a second. So let me see if I can pull that. Okay. Also,
1: what I will do is you're pulling this up, I will take uh, patients who have uh, had previous uh, chin implants to be able to show them obviously i'll use these patients images that have given me permission to use and i will show them the before and after pictures to give them an idea of how uh, other patients have uh, uh, experienced this uh, additional procedure of a chin implant
0: so fast forwarding so this is her um two-month post-op And we actually did do a chin implant in her. There was a lot of him hawing back and forth. And finally, um, it, it mainly was a financial thing that was causing the, 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 uh, reluctance, but then with the imaging, I think the imaging was a great tool to show mom exactly what her daughter would look like with the chin implant. So I used a, this is a size small, uh, extended anatomic silastic chin implant and we of course did just a uh conservative uh rhinoplasty just make her a lot more feminine and in balance so one of the things that i really love is i really love the chin where it adds that one third to the face and i think it just adds that 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 sense of balance and proportion that was missing in this in this photograph right here now i you um bring out two important again two more important
1: points as you look at this particular picture if you will look at a vector if you drew it just from the point of the chin out towards the nose and from the forehead before you did the chin uh, insertion then you would see that the emphasis is to make the nose look more prominent as you reduce the effect of the chin negative vector Uh, after the chin implant, you see that it literally makes the nose now more proportionate to a relatively small face. The second point that you brought up was a matter of cost. And different, I think different surgeons, including yourself and maybe others that may be watching, uh, may charge a different amount if you're doing a chin augmentation, a chin implant, Mm -hmm. with a rhinoplasty. And I have found over the years that about Maybe as, maybe as high as maybe one out of every 10 or maybe one out of every uh, five or eight patients may need a chin implant, right. just on the borderline. And I do say that if money is a factor and I feel it would make that much difference, I wanna make sure that the patient gets the best result. And very often I have only charged them for the actual implant. Right, and I don't say this to give something away or to take away from it, but I find that sometimes it removes the idea that a surgeon is trying to sell a procedure. Right, and and I have found that in in some of those cases, it has paid off an immense amount of of uh, appreciation to the patient, who in turn shares that appreciation with others and so as a result it's not a question of a loss of of money uh but it's an idea that now you have created what in your own mind you want to be you want to have the best for that
0: patient you want the best outcome you want the best absolute result right yeah um all right so i'm gonna pull give me a second i'm gonna pull up because you had a nice list of questions and i brought some of these topics up um in terms of choice of implant and such so i'm going to pull up your presentation that you sent me and then um let's see how to do that by the way as
1: long as you well you're working on that i'll, I'll share with you Uh, Often, the patients want to know how much more does it add to the recovery, which I think is an important thing to emphasize to the patient. A rhinoplasty, for the most part, is usually not a painful procedure. It's sometimes uncomfortable because they have to breathe through their mouth and the nose may be stopped up. But I tell them there is very little uh, additional recovery time for a chin implant.
0: So what I find in general is with the rhinoplasty, I I tell my patients roughly five to six days and they feel as if they have the worst sinus infection of their life. That's something somebody can relate to. They feel like their head feels heavy. They can't breathe through their nose. They're breathing through their mouth. um, Very dry mouth, cotton mouth, lack of taste. That's primarily what they feel um, once the packing comes out, which is about five to six days for me, I know everybody has their own, um, formula for that. Um, they feel a lot better. What I find with the chin implant is, uh, the good news about doing a chin implant with the rhinoplasty is it makes them forget completely about the rhinoplasty. So, um, most of the patients who've had a chin implant say it's not pain as much as it is soreness. Um, they feel that they're, Um, One of my patients said it best, it feels like you're going to get your braces tightened. And so you feel a lot of soreness. It's hard to open your mouth all the way, chewing, biting for about five to seven days is a little um, tender. And um, I think that uh, that was a very good and I use these kind of uh, analogies um, so that other people can kind of relate to it. it gives you something you can put your finger on. So. You were talking earlier about the facial plane and I also told uh, about the facial plane. So here is, so for everybody watching our podcast, kind of a pictorial representation. And Dr. Silver's been pretty nice enough to put this presentation together. So you can really see, I showed you one specific case point, but you can see multiple um, case presentations here of how um, you can see where it really adds that that balance to the lower one third of the face. And one of the additional things that I really love about these patients when you do this, and I think a lot of uh, women really like this, is it lengthens the neck. So it gives them that long feminine neck as well, which is kind of missing. You can see it very clearly here. It's kind of missing here due to the fact that you have the negative vector um, on the chin. Um, I prefer silastic implants. How about you, Dr. Silver?
1: Yeah, I, I do use the, for the most part, I would say 99%, I'll use the extended uh, silastic chin implants. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that they uh, have offered the uh, ease of insertion. And, uh, you know, another point that I, I do say, uh, that I do tell the patients, if they are a little concerned about having a chin implant is one of the most important things is if the worst thing that would happen, and maybe this has happened in maybe less than 1% of the patients, if they didn't like it, it's very easy to remove it on a little tiny procedure in the office.
0: It takes less than five minutes. And yeah. I tell them that, you know, when there is that little bit of that reluctance on the patient, just from, you hear the word implant, a lot of this, there, a lot of, um, um, I guess what they feel, I tell them, if you hate it, give me six weeks. If you hate it, I'll take it out for free because it really is something that is so easy to remove in the office.
1: Let's leave this picture that's on here now. And let me give you a little, uh, little talk about it. If you'll notice on the picture here, the question that I asked, which nose projects the most? And if you look at it, you will see that the picture on the right looks like it sticks out the farthest. Right. the one on the left. And yet, if you look at it carefully, all the noses are the same. The major difference in each of these pictures is the slope of the forehead or the retraction of the chin. So I just wanted to make sure that for some of the uh, people who are watching the podcast to realize how the chin does affect the appearance of the nose Mm -hmm. and 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 if you could uh if you could go back up to the top image i just wanted to mention something else this is a method that uh, you and i have worked on when we uh work together uh this is a method that very often is used to estimate the artistic chin augment of the chin projection and if you'll see it's a line that's drawn down from, what we call the crease of the top of the nose through the edge of the, uh, uh, the nostril. And if you do that perpendicular to a line that goes from the ear canal to the uh, lower eye, eye level, that it'll show about where that chin projection artistically should be. And I use this, and I'm sure that you use this or, or a similar method, the same way. And I I just feel that it's a way of teaching my eye to look at the patient and also to give the patient an understanding why I might suggest something like that if they didn't see it already.
0: So what I actually do on the photograph for the patient, so all my patients will ask me the same question. I, I take a photograph with a penny taped to their cheek and they go, what's the penny for? So and what I use it for is exactly this. I'll draw this. And when I know that I need a chin and use the penny in order to size exactly to scale the picture to one to one, so I know exactly how many millimeters of augmentation I need. Oh, great. great. Yeah. So in case there someone's using a different lens or anything like that, I know the diameter of a penny so I can always, um, you know, size that photograph directly to one to one size to get the exact size that they would be um, needed so i'm going to scroll through a few of these pictures here again I think showing the viewer how important a chin really is to adding to the uh, proportion of not only the face but really impacting the overall result of a rhinoplasty like I think this is a great example of what in a male patient, what that chin augmentation really does to add to the uh, rhinoplasty. Um, and here's another patient. I think this is a nice example again of that adding the chin, which helps with the neck as well. So um, I really like it. So we've got about two minutes left to keep this short and simple so we don't get dinged for being too long. Um, any other? caveats we'd like to include on this dr silver anything that you can think of that you'd really I,
1: like i think the most important thing i want to bring out is that discussions like we're having between the two of us in different cities and evaluating our experiences is a great opportunity to let uh, individuals know without the formality of having to go to a uh, a major uh, Uh, lecture, and these are real, real uh, live uh, uh, patients, and I really thank you for sharing this uh, opportunity with you.
0: Well, thank you. I mean, I think it's a lot of fun, and I know, um, I'm sure that we're probably having a full, it's hard to put on this type of a talk for a full range of viewers, because we're probably going to have some viewers who have no medical experience just wanting to learn about it, And then some who may be plastic surgeons are going, This is pretty elementary for me. So it's kind of hard to put it on, but hopefully it just gives a little bit of a primer. And I think what I've, you know, as I've been thinking about this, some of the upcoming talks that I'd really like to do is I'd like to even see if we can get a live patient to join us, Um, you know, preferably not in Houston or Atlanta, who may want a recommendation. Maybe he or she has gone to a surgeon and wants, you know, kind of a blinded uh, recommendation, I think it'd be kind of interesting to say, hey, let's throw some pictures up and, and see what we come up with.
1: Oh, you're, you're, always, you're always full of great ideas. And uh, I, uh, I'm thrilled that I have the opportunity of uh, staying uh, close with you.
0: Well, it's been fun. So um, I will do the same next time. So I think we'll bid our viewers adieu this time. And I'll try and pull up another interesting case, something that's interesting in rhinoplasty, maybe an ethnic nose or different ethnicity, something to give us something to talk about and uh, throw you some pictures, and then we'll see where that goes. (laughs) Have a good day. You too.